Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. was a very common guy. He's just, everything about Amos was just common, except he had an uncommon relationship with God, particularly for the time frame that he was living in. And when, when the nation itself is turning away from God, a man continually in every aspect, here's this one man, and, and I know that there were others, but here in this one man, Amos, there was a relationship with God that stood well above any kind of training that anyone else could have. Amos's resume probably wouldn't impress anyone. It, it definitely wouldn't impress the ecclesiastical or, or the, the church circles. Sometimes you can get caught up in feeling common. You think, can God really use me? What can I do for his kingdom? In today's message, Pastor David talks about Amos. Everything about Amos was common, except that he had an uncommon relationship with God. He did not have any kind of theological training or degrees. Still, he was used mightily by God. If you feel common or useless, remember who your God is. He can use anyone at any time just as they are. You are no exception. And here's Pastor David with part one of today's message from the book of Amos chapter one entitled Amos. There's a lot to be said about the, the book of Amos and the, the whole message that, that God gave Amos to give to the people during that day. That, that prophetic message that it goes probably, the most of it goes to the northern kingdom, which was called at that time what? Israel. Okay, but some of it also went to the southern kingdom, which called Judah. Judah. Okay, so remember... Israel or, or had been split into two kingdoms after this is after Solomon's time, his son Rehoboam, and at that point in time, uh, the Lord split the kingdom. So Israel was to the north, in essence, uh, ten of the uh, tribes to the north, and two of them uh, down in the south, making up in essence the the uh, nation of Judah. Okay, so we got those two. So. You look at the message that, that Amos gives to these, and it's, it's amazing to me, even as I was reading it over again, just wow, that, that, that hits our headlines. I mean, it, it speaks of us so much. And, you know, I wonder if we uh, would listen to an Amos today. If an Amos came to our president and to our leaders today, would they really listen to him? Or would the same thing that happened with Amos uh, take place, where they, in essence, ran him out of town? And, and I think the same thing would happen. Why? Because people are uncomfortable with the truth, particularly when the truth requires them to change their lives. And it's, it's very interesting to, to us as we, again, counsel and encourage people and we try to speak the truth to them through the Word of God. And how many times that little phrase, yabbit, 
comes up. So you can preach the truth. Yeah, but no, no. There, there's no yabbits in the Bible. It is the Word of God. It's straight and truth. We either obey it or we disobey it. Okay? So I want us to take a look, though, rather than the, the study in the book of Amos. And it's, it's only nine chapters long. They're relatively short chapters. I would encourage you to take just some time this week and, and just read the, the book of Amos. Be refreshed on it because, again, wow, as you read it, it's like, ah, that's, that's where we're at right now. That's where we're at as a nation. And, again, uh, if you look at the time frame that Amos was written, they figured it was around 760 B.C., seven, 760 years before the time of Christ. Does anybody know when Israel fell, what year Israel fell? 722. 722. So less than 40 years after the book of Amos declares, hey, God's going to bring judgment on you guys. God's going to bring discipline on you guys. They said, hey, get out of town. We, we don't want to hear you anymore. God did that. And uh, I'm wondering how long God's been calling that message to our nation and where we're at in that. And if you think about the fact of the 1960s, when our nation really started rejecting prayer in school, rejecting uh, the Bible, rejecting the mention of God, and on and on, and it just continued to kind of snowball. You know, we're, we're, we're 40, 50 years in that process right now. Is God going to have to apologize to Israel if he lets the United States continue the way we are? I don't know. We look at the man Amos, though, tonight. Not the book of Amos, the man Amos. And his background, his character, all that, all that makes him who he is, is what we're going to look at tonight, because this is a study in biblical character. Now, Amos was a man without training, and yet he was prepared. And that's one of the things that I want you to really catch in this study tonight, that Amos was a guy without training, but he was a man who was prepared for what God was going to have him do. And there is a difference, and, uh, and, and sometimes, just as it is in this case, it's, it's a good difference. He, he, he was not a professional, and there was no untraining that God had to do in his life in order to be able to use him. He wasn't a guy that, uh, uh, you know, had all this learning according to the world system that the world could look at him with great accolades and great honor because he had all these initials after his name and say, now that's somebody we need to listen to. He was a very common guy. He's just, everything about Amos was just common, except he had an uncommon relationship with God, particularly for the time frame that he was living in. And when, when the nation itself is turning away from God, a man continually in every aspect, here's this one man, and, and I know that there were others, but here in this one man, Amos, there was a relationship with God that stood well above any kind of training that anyone else could have. Amos's resume probably wouldn't impress anyone. It, it definitely wouldn't impress the ecclesiastical or, or the, the church circles. Looking from strictly a, a secular viewpoint about Amos, the only thing that Amos was experienced in, the only thing that Amos was tra trained in, was being a sheep herder and a fig picker. Okay, and that's it. 
What does it say in uh, verse? Well, actually, we have to go, we'd have to go back to uh, uh, chapter seven in, in talking about the fact that he's a he's, he's not a prophet. He's not the son of a prophet. Uh, he, he's just a tender of sycamore trees. And our best understanding of what they translate as sycamore trees is what we would call a, a fig tree today. So he he, he was a he was a herdsman. Now, he could have been a simple shepherd, or he could have been a businessman who had herds, and a businessman who had uh, orchards of figs. There's, there's no doubt that that could have been a possibility with him. But yet, his family heritage, there was nothing particular of interest. He didn't come from a family of priests or uh, any kind of royalty or any kind of a line. Uh, he just makes it pretty, pretty clear. Man, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet, and he moves on. So that's his whole resume. <laughs> he comes up. He says, listen, I've got the word of the Lord. Well, who are you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a, a prophet. I'm not, not even the son of a prophet. I'm, I just kind of take care of the sheep, and, oh, yeah, I, 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 I trim some trees every once in a while. But I've got the word of the Lord for you. Not impressive in a secular realm, but when you start hearing Amos's heart and the declaration that God gives him, suddenly the relationship that he has with God way outweighs any kind of title or, or standing that he could have. Today would probably say something that, uh, you know, I'm not a preacher, I'm not even the son of a preacher, but I, I've got this word for you here that uh, the Lord wants. He was a man who was equipped. He was equipped for what God was going to use him in. So here he was, he was a man doing common ordinary things. He could be building houses. He could be driving trucks. He could be working in an office. He could be uh, taking care of home issues. He could be teaching here. You know, any number of jobs, any number of situations that we look at today. He says, this, this is just what I do. I, this is all that I do. But then verse 15 comes along. says, and the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. So my first question, the first point of this, I want to bring out to you or ask you tonight. Do you think that you personally need any kind of credentials to be able to declare the truth of God's word? No, no. But you do need relationship. You need to be equipped in the spirit to be able to do it so that it's more than just a talking head. Okay, in order that it would be more than, than, than just someone speaking, and it would have impact in people's lives. When we are spirit-led, and we're walking in obedience to where God can call us, and, and we can speak for him, whether that's to our nephews, or our uncles, or our, our co-workers, or uh, our neighbors, or uh, whomever it might be, when we're ready and equipped, God can and will use us. The second question is kind of like the first. It's kind of the sub-question to the first, actually. So are you waiting for credentials to be able to speak about God and for God to the world that's around you? You see, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I've never shared my testimony with anybody. No, I, 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 don't, I don't speak about God to people. I don't speak about my relationship with Jesus to people. My question is, is why not? Are you, are you waiting for credentials? Do you, do you feel you need to go through you know, a seminary class, a college class? The most important thing that you need is relationship with him. And then you can speak about your 
relationship with the Lord, what God has done in your life. You don't need to wait for anything, but you do need to prepare yourself in order that you might be equipped by the Spirit of God to speak for him. The only credentials of Amos' life seem to be in his relationship with God. Another interesting thing about the, the ministry of Amos was the time. As I said, it was during, and we read it just a moment ago, it was during the time of the reign of Uzziah and of uh, Judah and Jeroboam there in uh, Israel. Uh, the contemporaries of Amos, many people believe that it was about the same time as Isaiah and Hosea. All of those kind of in the same realm, same time frame, ministering different areas in different ways. But what's so fascinating about this is the length of Amos's ministry. The length of Amos's ministry could have been as short as just a few days. There, there, there's nothing within his writing that speaks about any kind of change of leadership, any kind of uh, situation within the country that has changed. It could have been very much that he was called to give this message. He went, he gave that message, and went back home. Now, that's pretty cool to me when I think that this one very common individual made himself available because he was equipped, he had a relationship with God, he heard the voice of God, and he was willing to go out and put himself on the line and speak the things of God. And now, forever, you know, he's, he's in our word because of his willingness to be used, not because he was some special high-up individual. Now, some think that maybe this, this, this book of nine chapters was a culmination of many messages. It, we really don't know, but the thing that I look at it, is there's no real change on things, and it all pretty well goes right together. As I said, you could read the whole thing in just a few minutes, and but yet the impact of that is so powerful. Um, again, as we uh, uh, look at it, it could have been very, very quick. Amos was from Tekoa. Tekoa was a small little town, small little village, about 12 miles, 12 miles south of Jerusalem. It was on, right on the border of what's called the Judean wilderness. And there on that Judean wilderness and taking care of the sheep and everything, uh, again, I, I think of uh, King David and the opportunities that he had of being out with the sheep and just meditating and reflecting and communing with the Lord. And maybe that's part of Amos's life as he was there in that place. But God didn't call him specifically then just to move up the road 12 miles and give his message in Jerusalem. God says, no, I want you to go to Israel. I want you to go to the northern kingdom. I want you to go out of your comfort zone, really kind of away from your people, and go and bring this message that I'm going to give you to a people that are, that are quite a ways away, particularly when you figure that time frame. So Amos had to be willing to leave the herds. He had to be willing to, to leave the orchards. He had to be willing to, to leave home, perhaps leaving all of the stuff in the care of someone else in order to fulfill a mission that he wasn't too sure how long it was even going to take. So my second question or second point on all this for us in looking at this character and where we ought to be in our lives, ministry is very seldom convenient, okay? It's very seldom convenient. And, and, and it usually costs you something. If you're willing to be used by God, 
don't expect that you're going to go into that without some kind of a sacrifice of, of and, and I love the three T's, time, treasure, or talents. Well, I want to be used by God, but I, I want it to be, you know, I'm available from like 6 to 8 o'clock in the evenings on uh, Tuesday nights. You know, if, if God, if you want to use me then. No, I don't need you then. What God is looking for is people who are willing to say, you know what, whenever and, and however, even if it's inconvenient, even if I've got to adjust my schedule, I want to be used by you. But, but this is going to cost me something because I know financially there's going to be some kind of investment here on this. And, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to go X amount, but I, I don't want to. That's okay. I don't need you. I'll find somebody who's more willing to say, it's all yours, Lord. It, whatever I have, use you. We need to be willing to say, Lord, what I have is, is yours. You've given it to me. I know that it's all yours. I just want to be used by you. That's the treasure part and the talents part. Maybe God has gifted you in an area that somebody desperately needs. And yet, again, the time, the convenience, all of those things. There is an unknown, gang, and I will be the first to admit it to you, and I want to encourage you to understand this, that there is an unknown in surrendering your whole life to the Lord. And unless you're willing to step into the unknown, that is called a walk of faith, okay? Unless you're willing to step into that unknown, understand that, that God probably won't use you in too many ways because you're putting limitations on His using you. And yet, if you are willing to say, Lord, whatever it is, whatever it takes, I'm, I'm willing to be used by you. If you are the kind of person that needs all of the answers first, you'll never be used completely by the Lord. Again, it is a walk of faith. And I look at this guy, Amos, going about his normal business. God says, come here, I'm going to send you to Israel. And we don't read in there where, where we've read in other places. Remember, Gideon says, well, Lord, if this is really you, we're going to put out this fleece out here. And uh, you make it rain on the fleece and nowhere else. Oh, okay, it did that. Uh, okay, well, Lord, we're going to try this again. And we're going to put the fleece out and make it rain everybody else, but the fleece be dry. And the Lord did that. And you know, we don't see this in Amos' life. We see just this, the Lord said, go, and I went. And so he went. And that is a life of obedience. Amos showed this complete trust, this, this com complete and, and, and full declared knowledge uh, and relationship with God in his life. And so God is going to use him. And the problem is, is that is so lacking in so many of the people of his country during that time, so lacking in the life of uh, the people of Israel during that time. Uh, Israel had turned completely away from God. They were worshiping all these idols, these pagan uh, cows, and God sent him right to Bethel, right where the cow worship was, and said, man, go up there and talk to him right there, right in the midst of it. Brought him right into the heart of the, the pagan worship, and God is going to use him there. Because all around him, there was this lack of faith, this lack of relationship with God. The problem is, is even today, I, I think that not, not just in our nation, but I believe even within our church doors, there's a lot of people who have a lack of relationship with God. There's a lot of head knowledge about God. And there's, there's a lot of folks that, oh yeah, I can quote all the 
I can do I I can do them backwards, you know, frontwards and backwards. All the books of the Bible, I, and I know all the Bible stories because I learned them all going up through vacation Bible school. I know everything about the Bible, but it's never left the head. It, it's got to go eighteen more inches. It's got to get into the heart, and because of that, we we have people within the churches today who are, are, are fearful to step out in faith. We have people who have who have yet ever to even share the reality of their faith in Christ with anyone. We have all of these things going. We have this lack of relationship. And beloved, that's the most important credential you will ever have in your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ, with the true God of the Bible. It's not just reading Bible stories. It is a life of relationship. Chapter 3, verse 3. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? God says, you know, unless you're going to be obedient to me, we're not going to walk hand in hand. We're not going to be in harmony together. And, beloved, God's not going to change. It's, it's our call to change and to change our way of thinking, our direction of life. Amos understood that it wasn't the nations that were in control. It wasn't their leaders that were in control. He understood that these leaders, all of these people, they had made bad choices. They had chosen against God. They had turned their backs on God. And the people were going to suffer because of that. Yet through all of this, it's because God was in control. And we, we even look at our nation, we look at the world even now, and we think, wow, but what about all the things that are going on? What about earthquakes? And what about tornadoes? What about mudslides? What about this? What about floods? What about diseases? What about all of these catastrophes that happen? Beloved, catastrophes happen in life right now because we are in a fallen world. Okay, we're just in a fallen world. Sin, you know, is is all around us. We are subject to the fall. Our bodies are decaying away, you know, as the days go on. And if you don't believe that, just go look in the mirror for a while. You'll understand. Our bodies are decaying, and 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 it, and accelerates as as you get to like fifty five. It like accelerates really really fast. I can speak of experience on that one. Um, but anyway, God is still in control. Even in the midst of our personal chaos, God is in control. And I believe that Amos understood that, and that's the kind of God that, that Amos followed and believed in and had relationship with. Amos understood, here's another one of those big theological words, he understood that God was omnipotent. Uh, who knows omnipotent? All-powerful, all-powerful. And he was sovereign. And what does sovereign mean? He knows what he's doing and he is in control. Yeah. He, know, he, he is the sovereign. He's, you know, we think of, uh, again, just going back to like English kings who were sovereign over their land. They, they had absolute control, life or death, uh, every aspect of their kingdom. Our God is sovereign. And he is powerful enough to maintain his sovereignty because he is omnipotent, all-powerful. And because of this, Amos understood that the world and all of its systems, again, were under God's control. And he understood that differently than everyone around him, apparently. And beloved, that comes to us when we look at Amos' knowledge and his relationship with God 
it, it helped build his understanding of the world that was around him and how it worked. Pastor David has been introducing us to biblical characters through this series, some who knew Jesus, some who only knew the prophecies, but all who were led by their Creator. They weren't perfect, as we see again and again, but that didn't disqualify them. Mistakes don't disqualify you either. God can and wants to use you today to do something incredible for the kingdom. Are you ready to step out in faith? We'd love to be praying for you as you do. So give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We are so glad you tuned in today to Pastor David's teaching on the open word, and we pray you've been encouraged. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Pastor David's here to tell you how. Hey, thanks, Chris. All the messages you enjoyed here on The Open Word are available on our website. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings. You can scroll through our archive and listen online, or you can download the teachings to take with you on the go. I've even provided my notes for most of the teachings so you can read right along. You might see something new your ears may have missed. Feel free to share any of my teachings if you feel it would benefit a friend or a family member. That website, one more time, is theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you in person, too. If you're in the area, come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find all the information you need at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for another edition of The Open Word.